Hello there and welcome to Talent and Growth. I'm Paul Church, your host of the podcast dedicated to all things talent attraction and talent retention. Um, if you're enjoying what you're hearing so far, you've been on this journey with us, please do share it with someone else. Like us, subscribe us, uh, do whatever you can to spread that word. Um, today we have got Charlie Winton, uh, the founder of OK Positive, uh, to talk about how we can help uh, take our people on our journey of our business, which is so important for engagement and investment. Uh, because of the nature of his business, we also talk a fair bit around mental well-being and what we can do to look after our people as well. So all in all, just a great episode. Uh, Charlie's a great guy. He's got a great, great brand there and a great company. I'm sure we're going to go places. So yeah, hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Here's Charlie. Charlie, absolute pleasure to have you on Talent and Growth today. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Um, just been a busy few weeks. I had a bit of a, you know, life is all peaks and troughs really, isn't it? And I had a bit of a trough for the last two weeks, a bit of a frustrating couple of weeks. And now I'm feeling a lot better about it, kind of saw a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. So yeah, I'm feeling much better and good, thank you. Um, how about you? I'm doing really good. I'm doing really good. So what you're saying is we've got you at a peak today. You've got, well, I'm getting back there, you know, it's, yeah, not, not to the peak of annoyance, so I get too excited, but yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's on the way back up, let's put it that way. Good man, good man. Well, look, I think, uh, as always, a great place to start, we, if you don't mind just sharing a bit about your, um, your, your background, your journey, your career, and then, and then what, what, what you're actually up to now, it'd be great. Yeah, so um, I started out life, well, I went on a, a bit of a trip over to Australia when I left university to do uh, scaffolding. I was a scaffold labourer in 45 degree heat, which was a bit of a coming of age moment for me. Did that for about six months and, and came home and started working in recruitment, um, which is what I really enjoyed, helping people get jobs, um, albeit they were temporary jobs. So it wasn't really like changing people's lives in that sense. It was putting food on the table for until Christmas sort of thing um, and paying the bills. Uh, and, and I did that for about 18 months, um, relatively successfully, but I, it was there I kind of experienced quite severe mental health issues. Um, I used to have three or four panic attacks a day, um, mainly because of my own internal OCD anxiety that flared up from external stresses, which I now realize were probably the workplace, um, the operations, the KPIs, the targets that come with kind of high volume recruitment. Uh, moved into uh, financial payments and technology while starting up this business at OK Positive. Um, and did that alongside. Um, so basically in my free time, I was working on the business and during the day I was working for, for iZettle. Um, loved that job as well. The people there, the culture was completely foreign and different to what I was used to in recruitment. It was 15 hours less a week and I made infinitely more profit for that business than I did um, in recruitment. I believe it was down to my well-being predominantly because I was happier, I was healthier. Um, I enjoyed what I was doing um, and then moved on from there just now to well, a few months ago to go full time on, on OK Positive because we're, we're getting to a place where um, we're helping more people. So I, I, I've now run the mental health platform full time alongside uh, the founding team. And yeah, very exciting times, but it's been a weird journey. It's been, you know, predominantly sales, but I've I yeah kind of now ended up doing a bit of everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Life, life of a founder, of course. And what else were the drivers you know you talked a bit about your personal journey there but talk about some of the drivers um which led to you specifically wanting to set up okay positive well yeah so i i had about three or four panic attacks a day and i used to hide away in the company toilets like a fight or flight moment um playing on a video game on my phone it was a, a snooker a pool game um 
and I was sitting there thinking to myself, right, I want to reach out and find therapy. It was quite expensive, uh, not readily available at the time. Um, I also wanted to let the company know what was going on with me because I, I knew I wasn't the only person struggling in that office. And so I wanted to basically support myself selfishly. Um, and I looked up apps, tools, and I realized that mental health support, there are three forms of it. There's preventative, proactive and reactive support. And 99% of the world's solutions wait until there was a problem until you tried to solve it. And I think that's systemic for healthcare. So for me, I wanted to create something where we could look at the preventative side as well and, and signpost people to those great resources at a time that they needed it. Um, put simply, I wanted to preempt mental health issues or severe mental health issues before they arise. So yeah, that's, that's what led me to go down that journey. I saw it from an organizational perspective as well as an individual, because if I could look after myself, become more self-aware, um, and the organization could understand what was going on for the people within that business, then you'd have less people leaving. You'd have more people working more productively, enjoying coming to work um, because it is, there's a bridge between a company and, and its people. Um, and unfortunately the bridge has been kind of crumbled down over the last two years and a bit due to many reasons, but I wanted to make a difference for, for people so that they could understand what their triggers were. Um, I find that mental health is very much like physical health in the same way that you get the sniffles. So you get the sniffles, you know you're getting a cold, right? So you'll take Lemsip, you'll have a hot water bottle, rest, um, so you avoid being ill for a longer period of time. I see that the exact same way for mental health. You know, you'll get the sniffles, which are called triggers. So what are the things that are bothering you at that particular time? And then you need to figure out what your hot water bottle is, what your Lemsip is, what your rest is. Sometimes it is rest. Sometimes it is a hot water bottle and watching a film to get to calm yourself down and, uh, and, and relax because that will stop you from going off on longer term sick where these issues build up. So I wanted to help people realize that because I fast track now five years on and I haven't had a panic attack since I've started journaling my mood since I started looking at content that was relevant to what I'm struggling with. So I wanted to give other people that um, put simply. It's a really inspiring story, and I know you're you're um, you're too much of a gentleman to talk numbers on uh, this podcast. Um, but I know when we spoke originally, we talked a bit about your recruitment career, and you were doing very very good numbers. You're doing very very well in that in that role. Um, yet at the same time, the paradox was, of course, you were suffering um, from from a mental health point of view, which is uh, as I say, it's an interesting paradox. How how did how did you feel kind of managing that kind of this this these two sides? Yeah, it, it was it was difficult because uh, like anyone and I, I know a lot of people want to they want to show up well, they want to perform, they want to progress. Like Everyone deep down wants to, you know, do well in life. And so I was kind of conflicted in the sense that I wanted to be one of the best recruiters in that office. I wanted to win all the awards that they were doing. I wanted to be the top. I wanted to get more people jobs. Um, but at the same time, it was massively affecting my personal life. Like I gained a massive amount of weight. Um, I started to snap at people that were around me that, that cared about me for no apparent reason. I became a person that I, I really didn't like looking in the mirror. Um, and so the, the trade off there, that there is no there is no trade off. So for me, it was, you know, if I died the next day, they would have advertised and brought someone in within a month. If I died, my family would never get over it. My friends would never get over it. So it's like, right, I need to switch my focus and focus on myself, my, the people around me that love me, look after myself first and foremost. I know they use that example of on an aeroplane, you put your oxygen mask on first. 
to save other people, otherwise you're useless. It's the same in, in mental health. If you don't look after yourself, then the people around you will suffer and you won't be able to help them. So yeah, I wanted to look after myself to become a better version. I, I Having moved that business, I made infinitely more money. Um, if you're looking at numbers, about an extra 700,000 pounds a year of profit for the, for the next business, working less hours because I was happier. So there is no trade-off for me. I, I would choose my personal life over my working life a million times out of a million. Um, and I think most people should, but don't because they're under pressure, whether it's bills, whether it's cost of living, whether it's uh, wanting to play the game and get to as high as they can, as quickly as they can. Um, but yeah, you, I think thinking about your family and your friends foremost around that and, and the people around you really helped me differentiate what I needed to do in particular to, to support myself further. Yeah, 100%. Love that. Um, and what's the vision? okay positive before we delve into the, the journey we're going to go what, what, where do we want to get to uh so yeah it, it, in simple terms we want to preempt those severe mental health issues before they arise so i want to be able to predict when people are going to go into a downward spiral and, and need more severe help or going to or stop them before crisis points so we can stop people taking their lives um so that we can help people educate themselves and others and support others in their network with mental health support um, I want to do this from an organizational level, from a school's level, from a charitable level. I want to help all different types of people, unbiased, go into any organization and be able to help both the collective, but also the individual to look after themselves more in the same way that we do with the Fitbit. You know, we look after our step count. We, we do our heart rate. We exercise. We some people do diet plans, whatever it may be, nutritional plans. Um, I want mental health to be sat in that group. Um, so there's not a number to it. It's not like I want to help a million people by 2025. I want to help everyone um, because anyone that can use a phone through technology can have these conversations with anyone who doesn't have a phone. So if we can, if we can do that, then I'll be a happy man. Um, that's the main focus is the individual side. And if we help the companies, then, you know, they're paying us. So we've, <laughs> we've got to do that. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. So, we're talking really today around that that journey uh, internally that we want to take our people on. Um, I suppose to keep that investment. And when did you decide the type of culture you wanted to build internally at OK Positive, and and how did how did that play out that process? We sat down as a founding team very early on to talk about our values and what they meant to us. So we we sat there and said, well, what what are our morals? What do we care about? And that focus came down to helping individuals become more self-aware and have access to these tools that they may not have had. And what was the longer term goal of that? Well, it's to stop people from taking their lives, to stop them from going into a downward spiral, into more severe mental health issues. Um, technology was just the vehicle for us, but we wanted to, as a team, believe in our values and our values were based around how we looked after each other, how we looked after ourselves and our lived experience. So everyone in the business, um, whether it's coincidence or not, everyone, it's not a prerequisite, but everyone in the business had lived experience of mental health in some form. Um, and so they understood the significance of what we were doing and that we would never falter from that path of, of helping people. Um, so that's a big reason why we started off very lean and did it all self-funded and bootstrapped because we didn't want someone coming in and saying, oh no, chuck adverts in here, that'll make us more money or sell this data to this thing. No, we weren't doing that. We had our focus and we still do. Um, so that was where we built our values around. Um, and we built those, the four C's values around what we, what we believed in and how we'd want to look after and treat each other. And it's, and it's led us well so far, I'd say. <laughs> and those four C's? Commitment, connection, courage, and communication. 
So we focus on those four areas. And if we do that and treat each other that way, treat everyone that we speak to from business that way, then we will then we'll succeed. It's a kind of performance versus outcomes. The outcomes you can't control, they're not in your control, but the performance certainly is. So if we, we deal with that, um, hopefully the outcomes then come because well-being is a very, very busy market with a lot of people doing great stuff, a lot of people jumping on the bandwagon and because it's a vogue topic, whereas actually you need to have that substance and you need to have that those ethics, otherwise you're going to falter. Um, so yeah, that's a big reason why we we start off and set that from the get-go. Makes sense. And did you strategically plan how to get uh, personal and or emotional investment from the people who you brought into the business? Never planned it, actually. Um, it was an introduction through networking. So I was massive on networking. I'd love to speak to anyone that would listen to me about mental health. And I'd love to talk to anyone who had anything to say to me around mental health. So that's how it it kind of came organically that way. It's weird, you know, everyone talks about referrals and things like that, but it was people who spoke to me would then refer me to someone. And so that's how I found my clinical director, how I found my COO, how then we found our UX design lead. And then our head of research and development was someone I was talking to about mental health within iZettle. So it's it's weird how it works like that, but it was, it was never planned in a strategy. I knew that I needed certain people in terms of their experience. I needed a clinical head lead because I wasn't, you know, I'd only have lived experience. I, I don't have experience of becoming a therapist, qualifying and, and, you know, leading that side of the business. So there was no strategy. I knew I had positions to fill, but actually it was from meeting people that wanted to come on that journey. And why is that? Why do you think that's important for, uh, okay, positive? And I, and I say that it may sound like an obvious question, but let me just frame that a little bit is that very often businesses I speak to, or I see, or I know, um, they have a product and they do very well. They have a very good product. They get their product out, out, out to market. And before they know it, they've got 30 people in the business. Now, actually, they haven't sat down and, and determined what their values are or where, where they actually want to get to because the product has gone ahead of what's going on internally. So that's actually really common. And what, you, what you're what you doing, what you've done is not common, but obviously it's, it's, the, it's the better way to do it. Uh, it sounds like the way you're doing it. But what, what, what do you think are the benefits for you? And why is it important to you to take your people on that journey of OK Positive? Uh, because ultimately you'll have a longer term strategic vision that aligns with what you want to achieve. And also the business will perform alongside that. So from us, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I, I've openly always said that well-being is still nowhere near where it should be in terms of priorities for business. So it's not about getting a market out there that fizzles out after a year, two years. So, you know, we, we're, I'm doing a massive amount of market knowledge and, and research. And we're finding that businesses that have traditionally put in applications and platforms are losing engagement. They're losing uptake to it. They're losing the support of the businesses that they're working with. And the reason because of that is because they've rushed into it saying, this is what we think will work rather than this is what works. And you, to do that, you need to speak to people. You need to have conversations with them, get feedback, reiterate. You need engaged and inspired employees and founding team members rather than people who've just come in because they're jumping on the bandwagon that you've got a, a great salary and a great benefits package and you know the hours are good so from my perspective it's bringing people on the journey i was i was reading research through a partner of ours called discover your bounce um they highlighted research saying that engaged employees are 45 percent more productive than disengaged obviously you'd expect that but actually inspired employees are 55 percent more productive than even engaged employees 
So what that means is people that actually believe in what you're doing care about it. I'll give you an example. When I worked in financial payments, you wouldn't think that was something that would make you really keen to go out there. Oh, yeah, I'm selling financial payments to a company. Actually, it was positioned as helping small businesses to fight the big giants and actually have a say in the world of giving that person who's setting up a stall a chance to live their dream. That's an inspired employee. That, that, that motivates you to do well. Similar to recruitment, you know, they focused around you know, how many fees you made. For me, it was how many jobs I got for people. And so if you do it that way and you look at it that way, why am I getting up at five in the morning to go and work, um, go to the gym, work early doors to go and help these people get jobs? Well, it's because it's, it could potentially change their lives. It could lead to something that, that does really well for them. And that's the bit, if you inspire people to do it, there's, there's a far more successful outcome, I believe. 100%. I think uh, just just focus on recruitment because obviously that's both that's both of our backgrounds. Uh, I think such a trick is missed still by a still referring, or those are not in recruitment anymore, but people in recruitment still saying deals or placements rather than getting people a job, changing someone's life. Because that's, that's, that, that feels a lot, damn lot better than making a placement, doesn't it? Yeah, I... And that's the thing, you know, from people who've moved on from the business I worked at and, and moved into more bespoke boutique recruitment, they've had loads of success with that because, you know, you don't need to place 100 people into jobs that changes their lives because, you know, that's impossible for any one person to do. You hit them with the stick so many times in high volume recruitment, it doesn't work. But actually taking people through a process, looking after that candidate, getting them to a job that actually makes a massive difference to them. There's no better feeling. And, you know, from a recruitment sales perspective, that person will always come back to you to do future recruitment for them. So it's it's like you do a good job, you help people and you go in with that mindset. It, it tends to pay itself back rather than if you think, oh, yeah, I just want to make as much money as I quickly can now for this business, which I think is the mentality that has traditionally been there. It's changing, though, which is quite encouraging to see. <laughs> It 100% is. And I think, yeah, for me, I, a long time ago, I, re I recognised that if you do the right things, the right things happen. Um, and I think uh, what will be interesting, again, sticking on recruitment just for a second, in this climate, when actually as a recruiter, the last 18 months or so have been really, really good for recruiters, really, really good to recruiters. And those recruiters who have used that opportunity to really add value give good experiences to candidates and clients are going to do really are going to still probably do well when it changes the market which it will change quite soon but those recruiters who have used it as a uh, a transactional wild west and have just kind of you know done whatever they wanted to do and not thought about their big game they're gonna they're gonna find it really really difficult um, but i digress um along your journey so far um where what do you what do you think's worked really well and what do you think you might have been able to improve just with hindsight it's a great question. So I think we've done really well on on company feedback and individual feedback. So one of the things that we did early doors is make our app free to all users that signed up during COVID just on their own. They didn't have a business that they were attached to, to give them that support they needed. And what that has in turn given us is feedback, people telling us what's good, what's bad, liking it, using it, getting that engagement and seeing the trends that are going on. Um, amongst our, our users, which is really valuable data for us because we're using it purely to research and, and learn about different behavior profiles, mental health profiles, so that we can help other people who are similar that may not realize the things that could work for them. So it's, it's real learnings for us. So that, that's been a massive plus. I'd say I didn't focus immediately on fundraising and I didn't get that sort of strategy in place, which I really should have. Um, and it was a big learning for me. 
um, I've, I've now focused and moved towards kind of partnership collaborations because I believe the rising tide lifts all ships within mental health in particular and well-being. I mean, there are companies that will do things that we don't do that could really, really benefit the people that we work with. So therefore, share the love, send that round and go, you know, this is a great partner that we work with. And I think that's been a great learning. But from a fundraising perspective, I didn't think we needed to do it early doors. We then hit a pandemic. Things change. Take your time on it um, rather than rushing. Um, but yeah, if I could change one thing, I'd probably have focused more on that investment side. So I had a big network of it. Um, from the get-go rather than having to then restart again now and then in the future but we've, we've got a plan for it now which is great um, and, and we're a lot we're further along the way than I thought we'd be um, but yeah if we focus for us if you focus around the user and the person that's actually utilizing our technology that's our main focus and that in turn will help our customers which are the companies so that's been a real positive fantastic thanks for sharing and as you as you scale as a business how are you going to ensure that every member of the team or the company can, can come on that journey with you, um, I suppose to the same level as the people who are in there right now, right? Because it's difficult as you, as you grow. How, how are you going to make sure that happens? Yeah, so obviously factoring the values, but as companies grow and scale, obviously that's a great problem to have, but they do it very quickly. And so you rush into recruiting. Um, you potentially don't take as long as you'd want to have done to recruit and vet people that come into the company and whether they'll fit or whether they're different and will provide new insight. Because one of the beautiful things about diversity and inclusion being much more of a focus is you have so many different personalities, so many different people that will have new ideas that innovate. So for us really moving forward, we will always keep that kind of feedback loop open. So we'll use our own tool within monitoring people's mental health, making sure that they have a say and a voice in the company to make changes. So from, for us, a well-being strategy to bring people on that culture has to have a strategy to it. So what do we want out of it? Well, we want people happier, healthier. We want them supported and we want them to be listened to. Okay, that's a, that's grand, but you've got to put a number to that. You've got to put a figure to it, right? Well, we're going to spend X amount of money to make sure it gets to X level. So from us, it's a mood rating. So we'll say, you know what? We'll start this year and we'll ensure that our mood rating never goes below 60% out of 100 that as a standard. If it does, then we know there is a negative culture coming in. So we'll need to do something about it. Then put in systems that we want to reduce sick leave, those sort of things. We want to reduce staff um, attrition, those sort of things, put numbers in and make sure that we are held accountable to them. And care, like ultimately culture is just caring, allowing people to innovate, be part of that journey, have a say in it. Whether you're a new graduate or a senior leader, everyone has great ideas. Like it's not just designated to anyone who's in the c-suite level so just keeping that mentality as you grow why on earth would you not want to do that admittedly businesses will turn around and say well we've got thirty thousand employees we can't do that but there are always methods you can get regular real-time feedback now from a load of providers um you can look at different areas you can focus on different deliverables metrics um but provide people a voice so that they come on that journey with you that's that's the focus we'll have as we grow I think um, for the lot for, for every year, I think we've been talking more and more in the last ten years or so about the, mo the emotional and the mental well-being of, of the people in our company. And I think in 2020 that that accelerated somewhat as everyone was suddenly in the, you know, in the same facing the same problems to some degree. Um, so it's definitely top of the agenda for more businesses now. Um, I think you're in quite a unique 
place to observe what's happening out there. Where do you think we get to with this this emphasis on mental well-being? Um, what, what does the future look like in this regard, do you think? I think it will change. I think at the moment it's really focused around awareness. And I think that's great and you need that. But then where's the action? And I think over the next five, ten years, we'll see action. And the reason won't be because it's the right thing to do. I think businesses will start feeling the pinch of millennials, Gen Zs will move company to one that looks after their well-being more. Like gone are the days of, you know, financial services companies saying, oh, we, we care about our staff. We're giving them Saturdays off. <laughs> like that will all change, I think. I think that we'll see well-being strategies as part of the C-suite executive. I think we'll see them saying, you know, how do we get more sales? Well, we look after our people. Richard Branson used to say that, didn't he? You look after your staff, they'll look after the customers, your business will succeed. We seem to have lost that in the rush to recruit more people, in the rush to improve bottom line, when in fact there's enough research out there that says if you focus this as part of your strategy and care about your people, it will, it will return you fivefold what you put in. So, yeah, I think the change that we will see is more, I think candidates will move a lot more. We talk about the great resignation, but these companies that take the lead and innovate in looking after the well-being of their staff when i say look after the well-being i mean actually listen reiterate build measure learn like the same way you do for technology you look at okay these are the successes and the challenges that our people are feeling in these departments and these sites this is what we'll do to support them let's evaluate whether it worked if it did great we learn from that we carry on if it didn't right we reiterate we go back again we build something else out we look at okay how else do we help our people businesses that do that will find that their satisfaction scores their retention everything improves they start beating their competitors because they don't have to re-recruit and waste time on other things around um, disciplinary sick leave absenteeism presenteeism and then people want to go and refer and move to that company anyway so they'll succeed so i think we'll start seeing a move towards it being a more serious issue as opposed to a tick box exercise which has traditionally been that said many companies are starting to move to that already but it's it's nowhere near as many as i'd hoped or had i seen i mean i'm speaking to every business left right and center that will listen to me and you'd be surprised at how many that are actually doing actionable change rather than and it's not necessarily when i say this it's not necessarily the individuals within that business's fault like a head of hr has seventy thousand things that they have to do and then another thing's chucked on their plate about well-being right you need to do this they don't have the budget to do it that comes from the the top level the c-suite that comes from the people that provide those budgets and say right let's factor this in and i think that's the biggest change that we'll see hopefully anyway over the next um five ten years yeah absolutely fingers crossed on that and 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 i suppose finally just coming back to the i suppose um the topic of taking our people on our journey what what advice would you give to other founders who and this could be you know this could be people who are just setting up or people like i mentioned earlier have maybe got let their product get ahead of them how do you what advice would you give to founders who really want to take their people on the journey of their business yeah simple listen to them but actually do it in a meaningful way so if you're going to listen to a load of feedback of what your people are saying and then do nothing about it don't bother in the first place it just lets down and um, disengages your people um, look at what they want to get out of it what you'll learn so much from the people in your business because you can read every survey every report from across the uk about how people are doing um what successes they have how they performed how they've done this x y and z actually it's your people in your business are very unique they're there for a reason and you've got to find out what that reason is they will stay for a reason you've got to find out what that reason is 
they want to progress and what do they want out of their motivations for the next six, 12, 18 months, learn about it. Um, and as you grow, if you can't do that individually or you can't do that on a team scale, do that on a, on a, on a technology system and then build it out as, as a wider, a wider strategy. And that, that will bring success in my opinion. Um, because startups are very unique in the fact that people will go the extra mile for the startup because of the stage it's at. It starts growing from there, then they want to start seeing changes. But you'll, if you don't listen to that, then you'll have people who are burning out and the business will. You lose someone in a startup of, say, 30 people that has seven hats on. That is detrimental to your business in a scale that a, a corporate will never understand. Uh, it can fold your business in the most extreme cases. So yeah, reiterate, build, measure, learn that whole lean startup process, but do it for everything, well-being, for feedback, for don't stick a load of perks and benefits there to try and attract staff. Ask them, what would you guys like? What would it, what would work um, so that you can then best attract new people? I think you'll find a change there. Yeah, that would be my best piece of advice. That's some great advice right there. I love it. Charlie, I'm sure people want to pick your brains after this. What's the best way for people to contact you? Uh, yeah, so um, we've got a on our website um, a request to demonstration or information side of things. My email is charlie at okpositive.co.uk. I'm always welcome to for people reaching out on LinkedIn and want to have a conversation, want webinars, want lived experience talks. As I said, I'll chew anyone's ear off <laughs> about mental health. But yeah, um, it's very easy to get hold of me um, and I'll always try and reply and, and connect with people who are passionate about mental health. So that's where you can find me. Appreciate that. Charlie, look, I, I, I love the vision. I love the sound of business. I'm excited for your journey. Thanks so much for being a part of Talent and Growth today. 